Just Fantasy Baseball, we're back. Your host, Colby Olsen, joined as always by my wonderful and beautiful co-host, Clay Snowden. Clay, we got some new life today. We're nearing opening day, uh, just a few days away. Not even just a few, a couple days away. Thursday, opening day. Today, we're going to break down the latest storylines around the league. A lot to update you guys on. Um, you know, a lot of rookies making teams, updating you on some injury news, and yeah, just generally moving around the league today. Nothing too crazy, no rankings lists to go through today, Clay. Oh my God. Um, you know, no waiver wire additions yet, no streamers yet. Um, but yeah, we're just going to go around the league, man. Let's start in New York because we got some big, big news. Anthony Volpe, is that how you say it? I've heard people say yes. Volpe, Volpe. I thought it was Volpe. It's Volpe, right? Yes, it is. Yes. Okay. Anthony, Anthony Volpe. Volpe has made the team, and I could not be more excited um, because the reason I could not be more excited is that I wasn't necessarily sold that the Yankees were giving him a fair chance to make the team. Like, no matter what he did, I was a little worried that even if he had a crazy spring like he did, that they were going to be like, ah, we're still going to send you down. Like, you need more seasoning, and we're going to manipulate your service time. But he really forced their hand um, and just absolutely balled out in spring training, hitting a bunch of home runs. He has a ton of stolen base upside. I mean, he has a ton of fantasy baseball upside, right? Yeah, and he's he's a really fun player to watch. And honestly, like, sending him down, I'm sure Yankees fans would not have liked that, but in reality, this is a guy with you know, a 21 year old last year in Triple A, only played in 22 games. Was in Double A before that, obviously High A before that. The season before, and then 22 games, 99 at bats. Uh, he had 236, 313, and 404 for a 91 WRC plus. So it wasn't like he. And I know it's a small sample size, and right? So but it I wasn't say, like he care. was tearing it up in Triple A. I do not like, care. This guy's for sure going to be on the opening day roster, but I agree with what they did. He's Mostly because so I drafted him in my fantasy league, so I'm happy that they did that. But Peraza and him were kind of neck to neck. Who's going to get that spot? Who's going to be able to start a shortstop for the Yankees? And I'm glad that they went with Volpe, and I think that he's the right choice. And like you said, the fantasy value could be through the roof if he hits his potential. Yeah, so let's just talk through what that value actually is rather than just say, oh, he hits a lot of home runs, still steals a lot of bases. Like, let's get down to the nitty-gritty here because that's really what's important. Um, for Volpe in his first season, I'm not expecting the world, right? Like you mentioned, Clay, he did have a 30% K rate in AAA last year. Yeah, it's a small sample size, but it was clear that when he went to the next level, like the, the K rate jumped. And I could see that happening in the big leagues um, at the start. And that doesn't really mean that he's not going to perform. I just don't expect the average to be much in his first year. I, I could I could see a 220 to 230 average here, and I wouldn't be that shocked. He does have juice, though. Like 15 to 20 home runs could be possible if he's playing every day. He could easily steal 20-plus bags. Um, and if he's in the lineup every day and if he works his way up to the top of the lineup, I mean, we're talking about, you know, 70-plus runs in RBIs here easily. So his value is tremendous from where he was drafted. Um, but I'm not – I don't think you should go, like, trade – 
O'Neill Cruz for him or something like that? Like, where would you kind of put him right now in terms of, of short stops? He's like, to me, it's like more of a guy that if, if I have an injury on my roster or, you know, somebody's really underperforming or if I trade somebody, like he's, he's not my one a option, you know, I'm not, even going to target him in that well, usually way you can play multiple guys there though right yeah and i think it, he's like a number two option on your team yeah and it depends on what league you're in and whatnot but at the end of the day he's going to get at bats we know that the yankees do not yep. call up a top 10 prospect to have him play kind of here and there he's going yep. to be the shortstop for the new york yankees a lineup that's very promising and a ballpark that could help him out like there's definitely value there. The question is just going to be, okay, is he a little bit – how advanced is he, I guess, is the question. Is he yeah, ready for MLB pitching or not? But I agree, man. I agree. I think he he will have struggles at some point this season. Whether that's in the first month or not, I don't know. He will have struggles at some point this season. But regardless, the power and speed upside there is still immense and and, and should keep him in the lineup and should keep his fantasy value at least pretty high. Um, some other – Yankees news, not so good Yankees news. Luis Severino is on the IL with a lat strain. Um, The concern here is that Luis Severino has been hurt a lot over the last few years. And most recently last year had a lat strain that kept him on the IL for over two months. So um, it's not good that he's hurt the same thing. Like lat strains usually do linger. And this is something that... um, I'm worried about, I was worried about Luis Severino coming into the season. I, I, I stayed far away from him. Just like I stayed far away from Jacob DeGrom because I don't like pitchers that are consistently hurt um, in places that are, are like consistently hurt, meaning not Tommy John, just like flare up stuff. It's just not what I want. It's just a tough player to buy into at this point. It's been a while since you could rely on him, And like you said, it's just injury after injury. And this isn't a, franchise taking a chance on somebody this is a a one season type player for a lot of people in a fantasy league right you need every start you can get and if he's just going to be on your il that's really not helping much and then you're going to have to drop someone to activate him and then he's going to be right back on your il um a player that i totally stay away from there's just too many pitchers you know it's it's a little different with degrom because he's a higher level pitcher like he is one of the best, as you said, probably the best pitcher you've ever seen. Taking a risk on that is a makes a lot more sense, right? To me, I stay away from him, and I would much rather just draft around him, um, pick up streamers, and just use his roster spot that way. All right, let's move on to Baltimore, Clay, because I just read such a funny quote from Michael Elias or not funny. I mean, it's kind of sad actually, because Grayson Rodriguez, the news is Grayson Rodriguez did not make the opening day roster for the Orioles. And to that, I say it's horseshit. I mean, it's frankly horseshit that they, that he didn't make it. I mean, the one thing you could say is that he was injured last year and they don't feel that he's ready and needs more seasoning at the triple A level, but everything he's shown us this spring looks like he's ready to take on an Emily roster. And it gets worse once you hear this quote. Clay. So let me read it. All right, Michael Elias says, to the question, is service time a part of the calculation with Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall moving forward? Elias says, no. I really get frustrated with that topic. We have five starting pitchers here, with all of them established major league success as starting pitchers. They had good camps, better camps than these guys, meaning Hall and Rodriguez. It really wasn't tough to decide on that last rotation spot through the lens of, 
who do we want to help win these games? At least the first five games of the season. We'll take it from there after those games. Are you kidding me? I mean, the quote goes on and on and on. But I mean, are you kidding me? You think Kyle Gibson, um, you know, all the guys in the Baltimore. Kyle Royals, Bradish. Like, like Brad. I actually don't mind Bradish, but like Tyler Wells. Come on. I mean, let's so the, be Yeah, the Orioles have a ton of options of like just dudes, right? They're Jags, which stands for just a guy. Right. They have a bunch of Jags on their team. Um, and there are some that deserve a shot. Like you said, Bradish, sure. And I think DL Hall is somebody who I was not surprised would start off in AAA. I thought he like if they were gonna start him in the majors, I thought it would be as yeah. the second lefty in a the bull bullpen arm, which is something they kind of needed. Um, and instead he goes to the minors fine with that. Grayson Rodriguez, though, man, I I can see both lenses, right? But at the same time, it's like, if I'm an Orioles fan, all I want is to see Grayson Rodriguez on the opening day roster, right? You are, and I think the Orioles have done great, a great job of changing the momentum and building up the fans to a point that's kind of like, look, they're making moves at the deadline. They're, you know, bringing up top prospects. They're kind of starting to get some momentum with these fans and getting a better spot than they have been. And then they make a move like this. And then they're probably going to make a move like let Cedric Mullins go, go, which I actually, I don't want to go down there, but I would don't That's think it's that huge of a deal considering their prospects. But yeah, I mean, it is, it is a bit sad um, because first the Orioles really didn't spend to where they should have this off season. And now you're not going to support your team through the, you know, first six to eight weeks of the season properly. Um, it's not really fair to Orioles fans, in my opinion, and it's not fair to fantasy owners that drafted Grayson Rodriguez, but to those fantasy owners, I say hold because he will be coming in mid-May likely. I don't actually don't know the date for him. There is some service time date that they'll probably bring him up after and go, Oh, it was service time all along. Um, but yeah, so just hold tight on Grayson Rodriguez. When he comes up, he will be nasty. Um, so if you did spend a draft pick on him, I would say hold. All right, let's move to the west coast move out of the al east we move to the al west clay logan ohapi has made the angels catcher logan ohapi a guy we talked about when we ran through uh sleeper catchers a long long time ago ohapi is one of my favorite catching prospects a guy i've rostered in a lot of leagues this year um just to give you a breakdown on on him last year so in uh 75 games with the phillies he hit 275 with 15 bombs, six stolen bases, just a 16% K rate and a 13% walk rate. This is a guy that strikes out uh, or that walks almost as much as he strikes out a great approach at the plate. Um, he hit 26 bombs last year. I'm expecting a lot from Ohapi. I'm expecting the, the, uh, the plate discipline and the approach to translate to the big leagues. And I think the angels think that too. It's, it's very telling that he made the opening day roster. They didn't have a, a great catching situation as is. Um, but yeah, I think that, that Ohapi really could be, um, if, if you're a, a person that, that like really held off on those main catchers, like the main eight catchers and like you're just kind of scrapping for one oh hoppy's a really really solid option um if he's on your waiver wire and you need somebody to fill in there um and if you're in a league where he's uh taken it's not a bad time to trade for him if you're in need of a, a catcher especially two catcher leagues and i think the angels showed their hand a bit at the deadline last year when they brought him in um and you know it was kind of a bizarre trade right it was kind of out of left field 
Um, and Marshall's moved a, a a nice prospect, a young player in a position that they weren't exactly stable at in the outfield. I mean, Taylor Ward showed some promise. Mike Trout was injured a lot. So, um, but Max Stassi is just not cutting it behind the plate after they just signed him to an extension too. He was just awful. So they brought in Logan O'Hoffey and I thought, okay, if you're trading that kind of capital and bringing in a guy to play a position where you just re-signed your player to a three-year deal for not insignificant money, not huge money, but then you must really believe in him and you are making that type of capital investment that you're going to play him. So I think anyone that was drafting him knowing or banking on the fact that he'd get a lot of playing time was smart. And I think that it's an improved roster. I think that the depth has been improved with Urshela coming over. And, you know, last year there were so many days where Andrew Velasquez and Luis Renjifro played over 115 games last year for the Angels. That's unacceptable up the middle. They're they're healthy now. We'll see how that goes. They're better. This is a big, big year for this team. This is Otani's contract year, right? How are these angels going to be remembered? Are they going to be remembered as the team that finally reached the pinnacle and bring back Otani, or is it going to be another same old disappointing season? I don't know why I just started talking about the Angels' whole team there and just kind of veered off. I, I kind of went on a rant. Yeah, you did. You did. I <laughs> I, I noticed it. Um, yeah. Well, good thing for people that that stayed through that rant, Clay, is <laughs> you're probably wondering, like, okay, you guys went from Anthony Volpe to Grayson Rodriguez, and then you went to Logan O'Hoppy. Like, isn't there somebody else that you should be talking about that's maybe a little bit bigger? Yeah, we know. We know. You think we're going to give it all away on the first date here? No. You got to get a little bit into the show here. All right. Jordan Walker is the biggest news here as he's made the Cardinals opening day roster after not even playing a game above double A last year. He played well this spring, uh, exited velos through the roof. Guy hits the ball hard, but Clay, he's not even 21 years old yet. I don't really know what to expect from Jordan Walker in his rookie season at age 21. Um, you can look at the data here, um, 21% K rate last year in double A, and you go, wow, the approach is pretty good. Um, but I still have my my doubts here, Clay, about this translating in year one to, for, if you're in a redraft league, I would like, the hype is there, but I think he's going to struggle with strikeouts in his first year. Uh, the swinging strike rate is is decently high. It's about the same as Ellie De La Cruz, um, a guy that we think about as being a K first guy. So I think that um, Walker, while he's going to hit plenty of nukes and he stole 22 bags last year, I don't know how much contact he's going to make. And if you look at the projections, they're actually all very similar, about 247 to 237 to 250 is really about where he sits around a 94 to 100 WRC plus. That's what they're projecting for this, you know, young bat who has a 21 year old. Yeah. Yeah. And I think those those projections are super conservative because like the thing about Jordan Walker as a 21 year old making his debut with some of the biggest exit velos out there is that the ceiling is through the roof, but the floor is also quite low, I think, for his debut. Would you say that? Yeah. And I. I kind of look at the Juan Yepes situation 
situation last year. And that's a bit different because Pujols and all this, but you know, a player who was playing well, but they weren't getting on the field that much. They're taking him slow, mm-hmm. kind of working him in. Now they're, like I said, there were other factors. That does not mean that this Cardinals team does not have other fat factors too. This is a really good team with some depth. So if Donovan's playing second base, let's say Gorman, you know, isn't at second. Donovan's at second. That frees up the outfield a little bit. Lars Newtbar, somebody everyone's high on, somebody who's going to deservedly get shots out there. And they just said Tyler O'Neill will be in center field. Okay, so right field. Are you going to have Jordan Walker in right field? No, no, are you Jordan gonna Walker will play left. Sorry, I'm, yeah, sorry. Um, are you going to have Dylan Carlson out there? I mean, it, it's kind of a crowded situation. And I wonder if they have an idea of Walker playing X amount of days per week. And if you have him in fantasy, is that going to affect his value? Now, maybe he hits right off the bat and he looks great and he's what everyone thinks he is. But if he doesn't do that, do they send him down if he struggles after a little bit? I mean, what what do they do? Yeah, I mean, that's always a possibility. Um, I, I wouldn't expect it if they're putting him on the opening day roster. I think that they're they're pretty committed to him being up. But yeah, you never know. He could could go down at some point. Um I think it's pretty clear at this point that Dylan Carlson is the is the odd man out here in this in this outfield. I mean, Lars Newbar, we're expecting a lot from. He had an amazing season last year. And the thing about Lars Newbar that I I don't hear talked about enough is how well he hit lefties last year, Clay. He hit amazingly 273 in 69 plate appearances last year against lefties. He hit just 217 against righties. I mean, he had a 142 WRC plus against lefties last year versus a 120 versus righties. For a guy that's a lefty, that is crazy reverse splits. I'm not, it's not a big sample, but like he can obviously hit lefties. Um, and then Tyler O'Neill, yeah, he's going to be in the lineup almost every single day. Um, but Dylan Carlson to me is the odd man out here. So what do you do if you own Dylan Carlson in your league? Let's say it's a little bit deeper, 12. 12-man uh, league of Dylan Carlson. Rethink your you fantasy situations. Do you keep him? No. I don't even know why you'd be drafting Dylan Carlson, to be honest. He's owned in a decent amount of leagues. Um, I guess in a you know deep Is leagues, you you might have drafted him thinking Walker may not have made the opening day roster. But I mean, dude, Dylan Carlson hit 236 with eight home runs and five stolen bases. I've never really liked him. 28 games last year. If that is a guy that you're like seriously considering on your fantasy team, I don't know. Like, yeah. I don't know. So sorry to anybody out there draft the rostering Dylan Carlson for roasting you right there. But it's just not a guy for me that I, I I think the Cardinals even need to be rostering right now, right? He should be on the top of the trade block, um, in, in my opinion. But um, yeah, Walker's going to get plenty of plate appearances here. So it's not a guy that I'm like, oh my God, I need to trade for him though. And I think it's actually a great sell high opportunity. If you're in a dynasty league and somebody's going to give you the world for Jordan Walker and buy in on this hype, I say sell. I say sell. What do you think? Yeah, and I actually got that question today from somebody on Twitter was, I'm in a league with all with all Cardinal fans. Do I trade Jordan Walker? And I said, absolutely. Like, if you're in fans, not only is the hype high right now, but you're with Cardinal fans, take advantage of that. I always say take advantage of the people in your league if you can. Um, so, yeah, trade high if if the return makes sense. Right. And if you're a team that's looking for something right now to win right now, 
and you can trade him for maybe even two pieces to help your team right now, I would do it in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat, man. All right, let's move on to Chicago. Oscar Colas is a name we've talked about on this show. Um, actually, you weren't on that show, Clay. My 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 boy Dan Preciado was on the show. We talked sleeper outfielders. Um, but I brought up Oscar Colas as an intriguing option as a sleeper outfielder. And here he is making the opening day roster. Um, I'm very interested to see how he handles this because um, there is some swing and miss here. Not a lot of walks in this profile, but the power is super enticing. Um, it wouldn't like shock me if he hit 20 bombs and it hits right in the middle of this White Sox lineup because they desperately need a spark like that. Um, but yeah, we'll just have to see, man. This is a guy that that for me is super exciting. And if you're looking for like, a high, high upside guy, which you should be looking for anyway, because if he struggles after three, four weeks and you're like, ah, he's really struggling, Cole, he has a 32% K rate. Well then, yeah, you can always drop him. But I mean, I'm telling you the upside here um, for, for his fantasy value is pretty high. Yeah. It's power. And he also makes enough contact to have a potential to at least get you by with average. I'm not saying he's going to hit even 270 or anything, but um, a super talented player. And for White Sox fans, they have to be so excited not to watch Andrew Vaughn and Gavin Sheets try to, to play right field, right? I think you Vaughn is a good player at first base. So far away from an outfield. Oh, my God. Yeah. But Colos brings something that this is the type of flyer that you should be taking. When you get into the players like, um, and I don't want to like sound bad, but like Mike, Mike Ustremski, like if you're in that, range and you're just like looking for players like that that you can usually kind of pick up on the waiver wire why not reach a little bit and pick up a player like Oscar Colas and like you said the interesting part is he's going to get those at bats it's not a 28 year old rookie who's like yeah we're starting you know this isn't Sheldon Noisy he's got juice he's got serious juice so yeah this is a guy like I want you if you have him on your team already amazing if you don't like I say pick him up as a really high upside guy watch some ABs I mean he swings the stick hard he's gonna hit some nukes some light tower power all right Clay let's move on to Philly back to the east NL east Phillies with some sad news Reese Hoskins went down that was a sad sad injury to see in a contract year Reese is um a guy that you know is a really, really amazing first baseman when he's on and had some late season heroics last year and now tears his ACL. He's out for the year. What are the Phillies going to do now? Because they do not have first base depth. They really don't. I mean, Derek Hall is the man for the job. It looks like here, 27 year old, um, kind of journeyman at this point. I, I don't know if it, it, I guess so, right? He's been in the minor league since 2016, really got his first shot last year as a 26 year old. And it was an interesting debut to say the least clay. I mean, he hit nine home runs in 42 games. He had a 17% barrel rate and hit a ball 113 miles an hour, 44% hard hit rate. Like that is screaming some serious juice. The problem is he struck out 31% of the time, walked just 3.5%. But I will say that his approach at the plate 
throughout his minor league career has been good, right? He's walked around 10% of the time, struck out anywhere from 20 to 25% of the time. Um, and in a 42-game sample, when that's your first taste of the big leagues, understandable that you would strike out more than you usually do. But the tools are there. I mean, 113-mile-an-hour exit below and a 17% barrel rate, that's some legit juice. My thinking on this situation as far as what the Phillies are going to do is they're going to give Derek Hall a chance through the first four, six, eight, ten 10 weeks of the season. See how he can handle that. He can't hit um, lefties either. So they'll probably platoon somebody. They'll figure that out. Um, but if Derek Hall isn't the man, then you make a trade. There's so many first base options out there. Usually that you can find somebody call the Red Sox up, get Bobby Dahl back down there. I don't know. Something. Bobby Dahlback. You man. know I had to get that Bobby Dahlback reference in. So there. I actually oh. heard an interesting thing that Alec Bohm could be playing some first base this year, which would be interesting considering he's not the world's best defender at third. Also, I know you and I both like him. And if he adds first base eligibility, that just he does. He does already have it. I think so. In one of my leagues, I know he has it. Okay. So yeah, and Hall is a guy, like you said, does not hit lefties. And isn't exactly the most proven player, but he's hit well in the minors, just a small sample size. So you never really know what to make of that. Um, if I had Reese Hoskins and he's obviously out for the year, I don't know if my first move is to pick up Derek Hall. No, if I'm in a deeper league. I was league, just talking about what they're dealing with. But yeah, I mean, like, go look for, depends how big of a league you're in, man. I mean, like, who's on waivers in like a 10-man league? Can you get a Casas? Yeah. I selected Casas in a 10-man league with my second or third to last pick. Um, and, you know, it just kind of depends on your draft and whatnot. But, um, you know, first base is a position that you can find 10, 12-man league. You can find a little bit of pop here and there. Um, right, let's, I'm let's trying to think if there's any interesting, like, if you know who I would trade for if you're trying to – now, I just don't know if someone would trade Jose Miranda. Like, would somebody who just drafted yeah, him be willing to trade him? Jose Miranda, for sure. For sure. Yeah, he's not, like, crazy. Value. As you mentioned, man, first base isn't scarce. Like, there's plenty of first basemen out there. I mean, like, even a Spencer Torkelson might be on your waiver wire. Yeah, and he's, he's crushed the ball in the spring. It hasn't exactly turned into hits, but that's a guy who you could. Um, the reason why I brought up Miranda was, like, let's say you bring up Miranda as your stopgap okay, somebody starts hitting that first base, you pick them up. Now you have Miranda who can play multiple positions. And that's where I see kind of his value is stopgap. And now I'm also going to be able to play your bench and fill in here and there. Um, Man, Trey Mancini, Jared Walsh, Brandon Belt. I mean. Ew. I don't like anything you just said. Jesus Aguilar. Go for Torkelson, go for Casas, go for Miranda. I like those names. Focus there. We'll end there. All right, let's move on, Clay. Stick in the NL East, though, because the Braves, we're going to talk some pitching. Is this the Grayson Rodriguez was the only other pitcher we've talked about here. Jared Schuster and Dylan Dodd both made the Braves opening day rotation, which is pretty crazy considering they were going at it against each other for most of spring to see who would actually make the roster here. Um, and I was very interested to see who did, and here they are both making it. I think Schuster's the better option of the two, and I think Schuster, if you're in a 12-man league, um, could potentially be a really good streaming option. He pitches this Sunday, actually, so could be a really, really good option uh, to start this week. 
So, Colt, Colby, let me ask you about these two guys. Can you being the pitching guy, a lot of people are probably listening and don't know much about these two names. Why don't you give us just a quick little profile on each? Yeah, as I mentioned, Clay, I, I think Schuster's the more intriguing one of the bunch here. Um, a, a guy that I'd be interested in streaming, as I mentioned, this Sunday coming up, he, he's going to be the, the third guy to start for the Braves this season. Good arm. I mean, he is a good arm. He, he performed well last year um, in double A in 90 innings. He struck out 10 and a half per nine, walked nearly two per nine, gets a good amount of ground balls, had a 2.780 ERA, man, in 90 innings, 3.12 FIP. He went up to triple A and struggled, which, you know what, fair. Sometimes it happens, right? Making the move up a jump for sure to, to more advanced hitters, but also just making the move midseason can be tough for some guys. Maybe he was worn out um, at the end of the season here, had a 4.25 ERA, but still, he looked really good in spring. In 18 innings, he had 18 strikeouts, just four walks. Uh, um, he's impressed me thus far. Dylan Dodd is more of a deeper streaming option for me, but I think Schuster is definitely a streaming option for this Sunday, but like, kind of a guy that I would pick up to stream on Sunday. And then like, if he pitches well, I, I don't see a reason to drop him because the Braves are a good team. Um, and he has enough strikeout stuff to me that I think um, um, he could have some value. If you're in a deeper league, like a 12 man league, he has some value here. Doesn't it feel like the Braves just keep having 23, 24 year old guys coming up and pitching like they have like, you know, Davidson and Mueller and, um elder and the, the list just keeps going on and on and these are just two more there so yeah i i like what you had to say cole colby um so i'll i'll just echo that it is crazy man like do you look at their pitching depth chart even after trading um both those guys you just mentioned like bryce elder is legitimately like the 10th guy on their pitching depth chart like that's crazy because he can he can get it done when needed um but yeah, we just got a couple more things to talk about here, Clay. Bryce Terang is another guy we talked about. Um, I can't remember if we talked about him during the second base episode, outfield episode. Maybe we haven't, um, but he's definitely a guy guy to watch here. Um, if you're in a deeper league, I don't know if it's really necessary to pick him up in any league right now. What do you think? No, I'm not. Um, he's a watch list guy, like a, you know, maybe type move but for me right now it's wait and see um i just think that there's other players that i'm willing to give a shot to early in the season on my team and kind of see what what and, and you also have to play this game of okay how many people in your league are going to pick him up like that's what you have to think if you're playing in kind of a more casual league then you probably don't have to pick him up at all even worry about him right now if you're playing an advanced league where players are really watching this type of stuff, you might have to pick him up a little bit early, earlier to make sure that you don't miss out on him. It all depends on your league. Right now, I'm waiting to see. I'd rather um, maybe roster a few other guys before him and give them the shot first. All right. Well, that was just the the lead there, um, bearing the lead a little bit. That's what I meant. Uh, Luke Voigt was signed by the Brewers. I was going to call you out on this, Colby. Because when we were talking first base, you specifically said there's nobody else on the list. And you forgot Luke Voigt is on that list, but we've come full circle to talk about him now. The we stage is yours. Full circle. Um, you think that people remember that Luke Voigt led the league in home runs during 2020 season? 22 bombs in 56 games. And then just like the snap of the fingers, he was out of the league. I mean, 
in 2021, he still hit well. He had a 359 X Woba, 112 WRC plus, still hit 11 home runs in 68 games. That's not too shabby. Um, even last year, he wasn't that bad. Like a 102 WRC plus, hit 22 home runs in 135 games. The strikeouts were way up, 31% K rate and a 9% walk rate. So the average isn't going to be much help there. But like Luke Voigt is a guy that I don't know if I can ever give up on. Like the power is still there. He had a 44% uh, hard hit rate last year, had a 51% hard hit rate in 2021. Like if he can show me just a little bit more, I would buy in as like a streaming option if he's hot. I don't really know what to think about him. Why did the Nationals just like release him? Just like outright release him. And it's it's not like, oh, they had some prospect playing first. They have Dominic Smith playing first base. Like, I don't understand that. Um, but he strikes out a bunch. He does have power. I'm a little just, I, I just don't see him. I mean, this is the as, deepest of deep options. Yeah, okay, yeah. If it's like a super deep league, you, you want to roll the dice. But um, I guess he will get some run, I guess, when... Uh, with the platoon option with Rowdy, I I guess that that's a play. Maybe some DH. I mean, I just don't really see the at bats being there every single day. And I mean, maybe he hits well enough, but man, I I I'm I'm just not there yet. Super deep, fifteen man league. Reese Hoskins is injured. You don't like Derek Hall? Okay. You know what he has working for him is that Jesse Winker isn't that good. Is that I'm be careful to say what I say about Jesse Winker as a as a big Reds old? fan? Got to be careful, Jesse Winker. I mean, I'll pray for a Jesse Winker bounce back. I'll Me too. He's always been a high level platoon bat. It's pretty he much really what I has. say. He really has. We'll pray for that. We'll pray for Jesse. I hope he bounce back, Jesse. Um. All right, last one here, Clay. Ezekiel Tovar has not been getting enough buzz, and I'm not sure why. Like. Anthony Volpe's getting all the buzz here on the shortstop side of things. Jordan Walker's getting all the buzz, right? And then you have Ezekiel Tovar, who's going to be playing every single day at shortstop in Colorado. This is a 20-year-old last year who raked. I mean, in 20 games at double-A, 13, or not 20 games, in 66 games at double-A, 13 home runs, 17 stolen bases. He hit 318, 21% strikeout rate. Like everything is screaming that this guy can take it to the next level with that approach, with that level of pop, with that level of speed. My question is, what's the difference between Ezekiel Tovar and Anthony Volpe? Because Tovar is going to have a way better average in course. He has just as much pop, maybe not as much pop, but like close. I think he gets 15 bombs in, in course. Volpe maybe gets 20, maybe. Volpe maybe steals more bags, but I think that Tovar can easily steal, you know, 12 to 15, maybe 18. So, like, realistically, what's the difference here? I first, I guess, first year. I guess the difference is one's on the Yankees, and that's always going to get the storylines, and one's not. One's in Colorado on a team that's stuck in purgatory. Like, that's the difference, right? Yeah, man. I, I and was, the other thing that needs to be pointed out about the Rockies is they don't have anybody that's like, oh, man, like Jose Iglesias isn't there like he was last year. It's like maybe they could replace him if he's struggling. Like Alan Trejo, is that your guy that's that's your backup? Is Harold Castro? No, like literally, he's playing every single day. 
Yeah. Everything. He's going to get at-bats. So I'm, I am, I was in on Ezekiel Tovar for a long time. This was one of the first Bowman Chrome autographs I actually bought. I bought a little funny story. I've probably told this on this podcast already. Maybe if I, if, if I have, well, sue me, I bought his Bowman Chrome for $15. I sold it for $90 a year later. That was one of my biggest success stories as a card hobbyist. But what did you do with all that money? Uh, I should have bought a Ezekiel Tovar Jersey, but maybe I will. Maybe I'll repay the favor. Do it. Um, but no, man, I, I think Tovar is a great option. He's just not being talked about enough. Like, this could be a really nice sleeper piece. And if you lost out on Volpe, here's your option right here. Yeah. I like that. I like it. All right. We got anything else? That's it. Dude, you know we have one more thing. Come on. You know we got one more thing. You know what it is. Big news in San Diego. Huge news in San Diego. I'm surprised we didn't leave the show with this, Clay. Like, probably the biggest news of the year out of San Diego. Cole Hamels. Cole Hamels. Report. Cole Hamels has looked better than expected in throwing sessions. And the Padres are hopeful he can be an option for them around midseason. Everybody get your watch list ready. Cole Hamels to the top, baby. To the top. When was the last time a off-season throwing session ever had a report of like, yeah, he looked about what we expected. Or he looked a little worse, but like, you know, he's going to build back. Every single report of anyone ever throwing a baseball in the offseason is like, oh my God, dude, he's he's he looks like a new guy out there. He looks so different, you know? I hate it. All of the reports are just rubbish to me. I don't care. Cole Hamels, I hope he goes out there and pitches awesome, but I couldn't care less about him. <laughs> the crazy thing is that the Padres are going to need him. That's yeah. the saddest part of this entire story. But at age 39, I hope he goes out there and shoves. I will be, I want to go to that start. I hope I'm in San Diego when he's when he's pitching there. I mean, that would be glorious. Well, I mean, let's be real, Clay. 2019, 3.81 ERA. He still got it done. He still struck out nine batters. How many nine. innings was it in 2019? 141. He made 27 starts for the Cubs and then made one start for Atlanta in 2020 and called it a day. But I it's nice that Cole's going to go out properly. It wasn't fair for him to go out during the COVID season. So anyways, that's our little rant on Cole Hamels. I had to get that one in there, but um, this has been just like a little roundup episode for y'all. So um, play next episode. What can we expect here? Waiver wire adds some streaming options for next week. Um, so like let's enjoy the, these first few days of, of, uh, of baseball and, and we'll give you some notes on what we're seeing and, and options for next week. So, yeah, that's been Just Fantasy Baseball. Talk to you next time. Adios.